Today's episode of the Rough Drafts Podcast is brought to you by the newly updated sportsbook at Unicorn.com. Unicorn has been a sponsor since the beginning, and this is honestly the best looking and most convenient the site has ever really been. Their new TV guide style layout has made finding and betting a breeze. And with a newly designed and intuitive bet slip, all the information and even access to multi-bets are at your fingertips. I've already gotten started with my LPL and LCK outrights, and even though it's only been a day into the regular season, KT has already let me down, but Unicorn won't. So check out Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to week two of our NALCS Guess the Lines podcast. One week of North American action has come to a close, and as we've kind of gotten used to from North America, lots of exciting back-and-forth action. Not necessarily the cleanest play, but certainly uh, a lot of bright moments in between there, and probably most surprisingly, a lot of teams that we were not expecting to rise at the occasion really put out some solid performances that are going to have to have us reevaluate some things. So welcome to Overreaction City um, as we look at some of the unicorn lines on these things. But before we get to some of those, I, I got to introduce you to my good friend and co-host, Walter Sietis Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I am, I am so bloody happy. It is... Uh... Ah, man, the bottom three teams just warm my heart. Just warms my heart. Just absolutely warms my heart seeing those three teams on the bottom. Um, yeah, it's been, it's, it, was, it was an interesting weekend. It was definitely an interesting weekend for, for North American League of Legends, to say it bluntly. Yeah, I, I think that um, interesting is a fair way to describe it, but let, let's start with our, our up for the week, Walter. What was your favorite thing that you saw from this week's action? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say favorite because they beat TSM, but Immortals look crisp. Yeah. Like, they looked clean. That was, um, I was not expecting that. I don't think anyone was expecting that. X Smithy looked great. Pobelter looked great. Flame looked fantastic. The bot lane was making plays. I, um, it reminds me of spring 2016 CLG. Like, good like right when they they switched over to uh hui and and sticks a like they they looked really good they it was all about the team play it wasn't about laning it wasn't about you know pushing lanes winning lanes anything it was all about that 10 minute mark all right let's unleash ourselves on the map and other than one kind of really uh, awkward kick from mcsmithy in the in game one against tsm that almost lost in the game i thought mcsmithy was the the crux of all of that. So I, I just have to say I was really, really impressed with Immortals. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> As an Immortals fan, I'm super hyped. Not just because I now have bragging rights over you for the immediate future, because my team beat your team, and that does that does add a little bit there for me. But I, I just in yeah. general I, I really liked seeing the way that they played. I think they're my they have to be my up as well because I have to just enjoy the resurgence of Poe Belter. I mean, this is a guy that you and I thought was maybe over the hill, was maybe a guy who was in the twilight of his career and just didn't have the ability to really bully out enemy laners the way that we'd seen from him in the past. 
And it turns out that when you don't put pressure on him to win the game in the first 10 minutes, if you tell, if you allow him to say, hey, look, why don't you farm up and get to that whole part of the game where you get to roam the enemy side lanes and, and flank around in team fights and really take advantage of the game sense that you're known for, you know, the, the 200 IQ shockwave meme and everything else. Turns out that works out pretty well for him. Uh, the guy, you know, looked like he hadn't, missed a step and it was just so nice to see that it was so nice to see cody's son continue his development uh and it was so nice to see flame with all this attention having to be drawn to the bottom of the map we got to see some actual nice games from flame which i am always happy to see of course not everything was something we were happy to see walter there are downs that we have to look at what was your biggest down for the week so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a page from Mark Z, uh, Mark Zimmerman, Mark Z, the Delta Fox analyst, the personality. Um, this is the only time I will utter this team's name, and I will spend any amount of my energy on them. Steve Aronset, Team Liquid, you are getting what you deserve, Steve. You have I I. I I feel like I'm saying this every time. I feel so bad for your fans because you just blatantly don't, either you don't care or you don't know and that just makes you an idiot. Like, you can't even go a week with the mid later. And you're like, oh, we have the utmost confidence in Golden Glue. Yeah, we sent him to Korea. He did a great job. You know, you can't even last a week. A week. And you're already pulling the plug on this shit. <laughs> you're a Idiot! Stop making League of Legends changes. Hire someone else. Go go hire Reggie for all I care. You're done. You need to stop making personnel decisions because you are fucking stupid. Like, yes. Blatantly just dumb. Knock it off. I really hope you get relegated because you, sir, do not deserve to be in the LCS. These players do, but you don't. Man. That is some genuine hatred right there. And, and to be honest, I, yep. I understand where a lot of it's coming from. I, I think the word that I've used on this podcast is con man. And that's how it feels. It feels like Steve will say whatever it takes to get the best publicity for his team, to get the headline that he wants. And there's no actual substance behind it. You know, when, when push came to shove, the second that the plan was not working in his eyes, he replaced Golden Glue, and as, as Mark Z pointed out, and, and it's something that I agree with quite heavily, I don't think Golden Glue is the problem. I don't think Golden Glue is the reason they lost those games, and I, I think that, you know, if, if you really believe that Slushy was going to be an answer, A, what in the world made you think that, and B, how did this not come up when you were making your big press release? You had the opportunity to say, oh yeah, they'll be splitting time, and I'm excited for that opportunity. No, no, no. You, you went all in on Golden Glue, and then pivoted literally the next day and at this point i don't think anyone should believe anything they have to say i i'm not i'm not quite as as, as ready to say that team liquid does not deserve to be in because there are good people working for that organization I even know. if the guy at the top is is a terrible dude um nope. at, at this side of things and and you know, he does good stuff for them in terms of the marketing side of things. I, I don't care. credit for that. He needs to completely just, he needs to step completely away from any personnel decisions. His entire thing of, oh, I'm going to be more involved with the team. I'm going to, you know, I was too hands off, yada, yada, yada. Like, that is, 
Exhibit A, nothing changed. Like, you had a full split of seeing that this team didn't work, that this construction of this team didn't work, and you had the balls to come back out to tell your fans, no, everything's okay. Golden Glue went to practice solo queue in Korea. We brought in this other coach. He, It's going to solve everything. It's going to be great, guys. It's going to be fantastic, hugely successful. And after week one, you are such a goddamn coward. You can't even stand behind those words anymore. You have to cower and make a roster change after three games. Steve Aronson does not deserve to be associated with the LCS anymore. He has proven time and time again that he is a failure. And if we want to joke about the whole curse fourth meme, whatever, this is a consistency. They've never won the big one. No matter what he's done, they've never been a champion. They have one regular season where they were the number one seed, where it looked like things might be, you know, might be on the upswing for them, and then it failed. Steve, you suck at owning a League of Legends team. Go do the marketing stuff, but put somebody else in charge of the actual construction of your LCS team and being the front-facing person for your LCS organization because you, sir, have failed in every single regard when it has come to League of Legends. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look at the product that Team Liquid put out there. Uh, your fans four deserve games, better. Four terrible games from this team. Uh, a team that, you know, did the meta turn in their favor help them out like they promised? No. Uh, did the mid lane switch that they inevitably made, did that help? No. Oh, and by the way, we're not even bringing up the fact that Piglet released, a, you know, had this interview that was released on Inven, translated into English, where he blames literally everyone but himself. Uh, talks about how, you know, their players aren't, any players don't try as hard, how, you know, no one seems to care as much as he does. Uh, you know, he always wins lane, right? And he should be the mid laner. He wanted to play mid lane, but they won't let him play mid lane, which is is amazing on so many levels. Um, I, I think Kelsey Moser described it best when she said, I feel bad for everybody involved, for Piglet, because it sucks when you feel you're the only one who cares, and for the rest of his teammates, because it sucks when you know he's going to blame everyone but you. And he's not winning his lane every nope. game, and he's not, nope. you, know, he, you know, he's not this guy who's just tearing things apart. The guy was okay in the North American Challenger Series a year ago. This is... This is a disaster, um, and this is, you know, it, it's not just that the on-rift product is bad, it's that off the rift, none of these pieces work anymore, and they're the result of somebody who clung on way too long to something that we knew was a bad idea because the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, congratulations, see if you got a different result. It's getting worse every time. Steve Aronset is the James Dolan of the LCS. You're that not is not wrong. a compliment. You're, you are absolutely not That is not, not a damn compliment. Well, we I'm will... I'm yeah, done with, with that, the team that, that shall never be named again until they actually prove that they can accomplish something on the Rift. Yeah. We're going to the Giants treatment. We're going to move on from them pretty quickly from this point forward until they do anything that would make us say otherwise, which looks like it's going to be a while. So let's get into some actual matches. Phoenix 1 versus Cloud 9. Two teams that we thought were going to be great, that we thought, you know, had a lot of things going their way. And, and certainly, you know, Cloud9 did take, um, you know, a map, we can say, against CLG. So it's not like they were entirely blanked. Phoenix 1 took a couple. They were they extended it to three games, so they're not completely out of it. 
But these teams clearly faltered on the stage in which we expected them to do well. Which team are you more nervous about in the long run? Um, I think it's Cloud9. I think I think in all honesty, like long term, it's Cloud9 because they showed us what the future is going to look like of Cloud9 and its contracts and at its Ray in the top lane. Um, Ray looked pretty, pretty abysmal. Uh, he had some good moments, but just as a whole, the product as a whole, he looked pretty abysmal. He looked out of place. Uh, he looked like his rotations weren't very smooth. Um, his TPs weren't very smooth. His engages weren't very smooth. It did seem kind of disjointed. And maybe they'll figure that stuff out, but it's going to take a while for them. And this is the, the summer split. Like, this is the split that actually truly matters for going to Worlds, which I think is Cloud9's ultimate goal. Um, it continues to show that there is one real playmaker on this team, and it's Jensen. And I don't think that you can be successful with only one true playmaker. And granted, Ray has some moments where all of a sudden he's ulting in as Jarvan. You're like, oh, that's a great play. Uh, Smoothie had some great moments as Rakan, where you're like, oh, that's a great play. But as a whole, these guys are not up front. I have 10 seconds left on the clock. I need somebody other than LeBron to hit a three-pointer. Who on my team is going to do that? I don't trust any of the other four to make a play when it counts. And Freak, as Freak constantly wanted to berate Jensen about not making a play when it counted in the finals, even LeBron misses a three. Like, typically Jensen can make a play when he has to make a play. He didn't that one time. Let's get rid of this narrative that this is going to completely define his career, that, oh, he can't get it done because he just didn't hit R. Like, I, I hate that narrative. It's not his fault they lost. Get over it. Bad analysis. But that being said, the other four players, someone needs to build up that second, you know, that secondary characteristic of I'm going to be a playmaker. I'm going to be the one that when Jensen's getting double teamed, I could go out there and I could do something to set it up. I can be the one that hits that wide open shot. I can hit that thresh hook. I can, you know, hit this nice flag and drag and just delete the AD carry on the enemy team. That's what I'm looking for for Cloud9, and that's been this weakness that I don't think they've had. They're also very, very passive laners. They are so willing to just secede this, you know, secede this laning phase, like 15 minutes of the game to the other team and say, yeah, go ahead and push, push us in. Like, we know we're kind of a better team fighting team. Like, we aren't going to be worried about it. And, and you can't do that against teams that are so good at capitalizing on leads like CLG and like TSM. TSM more in particular when you're against freaking double lift. Where that's his calling card is I'm going to stop lane. You can't pick constantly losing lanes. I get, you know, you have a counter pick of like Echo into Syndra, but you're you're giving up the first six levels of the game. You're telling Bjergsen, for the first eight to nine minutes of the game, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to sit here and just try and survive until I get my ult to counteract your ultimate. I really don't like it. It's really, really passive League of Legends. It's just, it's not fun to watch. And when you're always playing on the back foot... You're at the mercy of what the other team is doing. Sure, the other team screws up and gives up, you know, a triple kill and double bust to your AD carry in the first five minutes of the game. Sure, that puts you in a great position when you're, you know, much more of a passive sit-back type of team. But when that other team is hounding on you, when they're barking at you, when they're coming at you from every single side, eventually you're going to trip. And I think that's what Cloud9 did this week, is that they tripped over themselves. Yeah, and for the record, um, the the good news for this team is that Impact is going to be back this week, and Impact gives a lot more stability than what Ray had. I honestly, Ray's laning was fine. It was the the rest of 
his play, the, the flanking of those rotations that you mentioned. And, and some of that, I, I do have to say, might come down to communication issues. Contracts had a couple moments where he engaged with the enemy team and he was you know, going in to make a play and then suddenly he was on his own and the rest of the team was on the other side of things. There was a fight in Dragon, which I think that was particularly obvious. And you can't really do that. Um, that's not something we're used to from Cloud9. I, I will say this, though. I, I think to some extent the criticism of Jensen not being able to win the big one I mean, he's played four splits now. Four splits, zero championships. With the Cloud9 team that has been in that picture pretty much every time. At some point, that has to matter. At some point, if, you know, if LeBron James went to the championship four times and had zero victories, we would be criticizing him for the, that. The difference is that Jensen is not the best player at his position in the region. I, I just I think mean, the team constructed around him is not... Like I said, I don't think it's on Jensen. Jensen's by far the best player on that team and is, you know, if I was picking a guy other than Bjergsen, is the guy that I want as my mid laner. I just don't think the roster as constructed is constructed in a way that wins with Jensen. I just don't think that's the case. They need someone else that could go out and be a playmaker, and I don't see anyone on that team, with the exception of maybe Smoothie. Yeah, I was going to say, I like Smoothie. I do I like, like Smoothie too, but again, I... I see him 50% of the time I go, yeah, this kid can be a playmaker. I think he could do you know, do that and, and be that, that guy that they need. And the other 50% of the time I see him sitting back in lane, letting his AD carry get pushed out of you know off of minion ways and going, Okay, like I get sometimes you gotta, you know, take a step back so you can take three steps forward, but like this is ridiculous. Get up there. Put some harass, let your AD carry farm. Um, so I just I just don't think this team I don't think that this team is a championship contending team or is an international contending team as constructed. I think they're very good. I think if your goal is I want to be a top three in North America, this is a very solid team. But I'll continue to reiterate this point. I don't think this team as constructed can take that next step. And, and that's something that, I mean, if you watch this week, I mean, I think that echoed through uh, a lot of their play. And, and like you said, long term, uh, the fact that Ray and contracts in particular looked not very good, I, I think has to be cause for pause. It doesn't, don't want to overreact to one week of games, but it, it's a concern. What, where do you think the line of this Phoenix One Cloud Nine series goes? I have it at Cloud Nine minus 155 because traditionally NA is much more volatile when it comes to the book. The books. Yeah. Uh, that it, that's going to be a, uh, volatile is, is a great way to describe some of the lines we're going to see. Unfortunately for you, uh, this one was not quite as volatile as you might have imagined. I had Cloud9 minus 200. It was Cloud9 minus 222. I think the casinos are a lot more likely to back Cloud9 right now than a Phoenix One team, and we're going to have to get into them later, uh, that was on a losing streak towards the end of the regular season. What's the underdog line? And I fell asleep. Uh, Phoenix One plus 165. Not it's not no value, but no I value. think there are other places we might be able to find some. Uh, let's go next series: Immortals versus Envious. We already talked about Immortals and how excited we are for that team. Envious actually looked pretty solid. It looks like Pyrian's a, a real legitimate LCS mid laner. Are you excited about this team? Are you are you ready to buy in a little bit? I'm I'm curious. I'm very curious. I'll put it that way. They they had some uh, okay competition in, in, in Phoenix 1 and Dignitas, both teams that I think were part of that second tier. I want to see them against 
a TSM or a Cloud9. I get, I like Immortals. Like Immortals is like, yeah, that's great competition. But if you look back to like preseason, like I would clump Phoenix One, Dignitas, CLG, and Immortals and FlyQuest all in that like sort of second tier. And they, it's, you know, sure, Immortals played well this week. FlyQuest played badly this week. But that doesn't mean I'm fully like, yeah, Fly, you know, FlyQuest and Immortals are now in separate tiers. Like now things are going to start pulling apart in this first couple of weeks. So. Um, yeah, this could be a good showing. This again, if they play very well against Immortals, I think now Envious moves up into that that second tier. Same thing with Echo Fox this week. If they play really well against their opponents, they might move into that second tier discussion instead of being a bottom three team that we're not thinking are going to make the playoffs. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested in this team. I did think Pyrian played pretty well. <sighs> Seraph though is yeah. still just such a question mark to me. He is the most volatile aspect of that team. And when he is considered their, you know, through the grapevine, he's their shot caller. He's the guy that everything runs through. And he, he when he's off, the team looks off. So if they could shore up that weakness and they could figure out ways to win without Seraph being, you know, a hard carrier, Seraph playing well or whatever, then yeah, I'll be more confident about them. Um, but this team is really just interesting. It's a bunch of cast off parts. Hakuo, Apollo, Purian, like Lyra wasn't. Lyra was kind of a stud and then got brought in. But like these other, this bottom half of the map are just cast off parts and they're performing exceptionally. And it just goes to show when you pair the right players together, sometimes you can make it work. Sometimes it can it can be kind of you know this quirky little bot lane. I really I really like Hakuo and Apollo. I really like them as a bot lane. They are fun to watch and their their Rocket and Zaya was was quite enjoyable to me. So Envy is definitely on my radar. I feel better about the Envy to make the playoffs outright bet after week one. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I think that one has a pretty good chance of coming through. And I, and I think you're correct to identify Pyrian as, as a big reason for that. Obviously, we expected Lyra to be great. Uh, I think he played quite well. His, you know, the fact that he could play Nidalee in this meta is kind of, you know, shout out to him. I love it. It was, it was quite good, and I will always... <laughs> enjoy watching Lyra's in Italy. But Pyrian was the guy who really was the, the difference between the envious team that we saw, you know, take maps, but overall just kind of struggle to come away with the victory, and the envious team that right now looks like a team that still has to scrape by for those wins because Seraph, you mentioned Volatile, uh, 2.1 KDA after the first week of 53.2% kill participation. Uh, those numbers obviously don't mean that much because it's only one week of sample size, but these are by far lower than the rest of his teammates, and I think it's worth noting just how much they've been able to accomplish that he hasn't been able to translate yet um, when you look just at the numbers, and I, I think that matches what the eye test is telling us. It's just a matter of now can they make it last, and I'm excited to see if they do. I think this is going to be a very difficult test for them, though. Where do you put the line, Walter? Uh, I have Immortals at minus 185. Okay, you get this one. I went too high. I I looked at last week's line, and I was like, oh, yeah, people don't like Envious. This book never likes Envious. We got so much ups underdog value. There's no way they're going to adjust that much after one week. Uh, it turns out they adjusted a lot after one week. The actual line was Immortals. I, I said Immortals minus 400. The actual line was Immortals minus 270. Uh, so... Neither one of us were that close, but you are closer. Envious at plus 195. It's an interesting value. I, I think it's a little bit lower than I would have liked. Interesting. But we might have a lot of, like, three-map bets this week. Yes. 
And I I will happily go back through any of these if you want to go through when you're later doing our value bets. But let's uh let's move on. Next series. We're talking about Dignitas versus Team Solo Mid. Walter, are you nervous about TSM? Nope. Nope. It's a marathon, not a sprint. All that matters is that they're there on the championship championship stage at the end of the year. That's I mean, I, I thought Immortals played very well. I thought TSM played pretty poorly. That was the Rust game, um, where it, it looked like they were trying to mesh everything together. Svenskeren, I saw against Cloud9 Svenskeren of old, not the like blindly invading Svenskeren, anything like that. And then in the Immortal series, I saw more of that. Um, but I thought Immortals played very intelligently, and it's the old, the old strategy, Camp Dyrus. TSM plays through Dyrus. Dyrus is the hidden carry of TSM. And Immortals was like, hey, wait a minute. What if Haunters is really the important part of this team? And when you play Kennen, the entire point of playing Kennen is to dominate the laning phase, to kind of have this early game spike with the, the flat uh, damage that he has on his all on his, uh, on his his spells. And you like team fight around dragons like level 6, level 7, level 8, level 9. That type of thing. And then you set up split push. Uh, yeah, Immortals was like, what if we just don't let Kennen have that spike in the early game what if we just outscaled him in 15 minutes and then he's worthless because it's full 80 cannon with no tank stats he's jumping in with his ultimate and we just pop him um and that's what they did that was uh that was the old way to beat dyrus and and tsm back in like season five uh early season four into season five so i thought it was really smart by immortals and it just i don't really like the cannon pick on haunter i just don't um I don't really like Rumble on him either. Like, I like it when he can play more of something that's more bruisery, when he can make the decision between I can go full damage or I can go full tank or I can go some hybrid in the middle and it gives him more of an option. When you put him on something that's so linear of I'm playing Kennen, I go straight damage, I build, you know, Blade of the Rune King into Frozen Mallet into Runons or whatever, like, it doesn't give him the option to go, okay, now they're camping me, I need to switch to something else. Uh, especially when you go 80 cannon, you can't build a Zonias all of a sudden. And like, I, I mean, you could, but it's just not very cost effective. So I thought I'm, I thought that was more about Immortals finding the weak, the the crack in TSM's armor and exploiting it and exploiting it very well. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see TSM bounce back. Yeah, uh, let's be clear. Uh, TSM now joins the illustrious group of teams that come back from MSI and struggle in the early season. We saw SKT lost their opening series as well. Yep. So all everyone's victim to this. This is what happens when there's this giant mid-season update that occurs while you're practicing on a prior patch because you need to be ready for that tournament. And then everyone else that you're playing against has time to adjust that you just don't. Um, I, I, I'm not ready to get worried about TSM. Though I will say, uh, dear Parth, if you're listening... Stop this Galio midnight. Yeah, no, no, no. This isn't part. Stop it. This isn't part. This is literally every team in the world. <laughs> Stop playing Galio. I, I get, I get the concept. I get what you're doing. But this reminds me of another tank that was in the mid lane. Nautilus. Nautilus was played in the mid lane because you could abuse Banner of Command and Zizirot Portal. You can't do that with Galio, and you're hampering your playmakers by limiting the amount of damage they're doing and making them more of a team fight disruptor instead of I'm just going to pop the AD carry, which is something they're not used to. Please, for the love of God, stop. I don't want to see Faker on Galio mid. I don't want to see Bjergsen on Galio mid. I don't even want to see Nagne on Galio mid. 
Let's let's just let's just stop this experiment. It's not working. Leave it to the top laners to build Iceborne Gauntlets and deal more damage than their team in MSI Huni. Huni. Just yeah. just stop. Just stop it. Just stop, please. Please. I I I'm with you. I like it a lot more in the top lane. And while I understand the value of versatility, uh, there's also value no. in sticking with what works. No, if you want something you can flex between multiple lanes, just play Lucian. Uh, yeah, that god. The fact that Lucian gets flexed to the AD carry spot now has to be one of my <laughs> Out favorite. Out of both solo lanes. I, I can't wait for Riot to kill what is currently very fun because it doesn't fit where they think Lucian should be. It's going to be great. Where do you think the line for this series is, Walter? Uh, I have TSM at minus 250. Okay, you get this one as well. I was, again, too high. I had TSM at minus 400 because they were so heavily favored against everybody last week. Uh, the answer is TSM minus 263. Which I actually think is a little low. Um, I'm not sure. I'm I'm very scared of Dignitas in the spot. And the 2-0 for TSM here, which I think has significant value, is plus 125. What's the Dig Underdog line? Uh, Dig Underdog is plus 190. Here's the thing with Dig. I don't trust teams to 2-0 them anymore because they have such high variance on their their two carries in Keen and Lod and even Chaser. Like Chaser's way Chaser's more consistent. Chaser's like a very steady plateau. If he's not gonna go very high, he's not gonna go very low. He's just gonna be at this position. But at that position, if your jungler's playing poorly, he can it like makes Chaser look better. But like Lod and Keen had just are they're they're the converse of each other where like when one of them is playing really well, the other's kind of playing awful. And when the other's playing really well, the other's playing awful. And, like, man, if they ever sync up, like, this team could be really good if both those players ever synced up and played really well at the same time. Um, and it's even, like, within a five-minute period. You'll have Keen make, like, this awesome play, and you know, because Lod got caught out. And then five minutes later, it's Keen's the one that's getting caught out, and Lod gets the triple kill. So if they could just, like, even it out, you know, take, take the spackle, spread it across the drywall, let it dry, sand it down a little, then they could get, like, this really nice coat of paint on it. Like, that would be a really, really nice feature wall in their living room if those two guys could just, just get on the same page. Yeah. I really like the team. I just, I, you know, there are a lot of pieces that are working together, and, and we'll maybe talk about them a little bit more uh, later on. Echo Fox versus CLG. I, we, I mean, these are two really fun teams right now. Yeah. These are two teams <laughs> that Echo managed Fox is to like go the best early game team in North America for yeah, a how year. Did, how did this happen? Like, how are we at this point with them? Acadian. It, it is. It is Acadian. I, I made this comparison to you. On, on Discord last night. This reminds me of like late of like late Gambit. Of like the last run where they had Alex and Darian and, and Diamond Prox. Like Looper is just feeding in the top lane. He's feeding and drawing pressure because that's just how Looper's always played. He's a singed player. He's like, yeah, if I could pull three people in the top lane, awesome, I'm doing my job. Acadian is just invading. He's just invading and ganking, and it's not like it's any of this, like, super convoluted gank pathing. It's not like he's doing anything really strange. He's just brute-forcing being like, I am so... I understand the jungle so much that you all think I'm going to do something weird, so I'm going to do the most simple thing I possibly can do, and I'm just going to lane gank. I'm just going to walk into your lane, and I'm just going to kill you. 
Like, I, I don't know what it is. He just has some innate knowledge of when, to, where to be and when to be that I have not seen since Diamond Prox played jungle. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm totally just ignoring a whole bunch of Koreans and Chinese junglers. Whatever, I only care about Western League of Legends. That's why I don't care about MSI. That's why I don't really care about Worldsaw that much. I care about these two regions and the Challenger regions, but I just haven't seen someone in North America or Europe that is just that in sync with, I need to be at this point at this moment and I'm going to get a kill. And sure, when you get to team fighting, that sort of kind of goes out the window because it's not just him in the jungle and he's wandering around and there's no vision. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I am not sure that analogy holds up. But, given. but, I think in the early game, he just has this innate sense of, of, of where to be and what to do. And it's hard to teach that. It's really hard to teach a jungler, okay, there's eight different options. This is the correct one in this specific scenario without them having a ton of experience in those scenarios. So... There's something to be said about Acadian. He's he's really good. He's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, he was my pick for rookie of the split last split. Yep. Um, that was a guy that I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm not sure I, I, I'm quite ready to say that his pathing is perfect at this point. Well, I, 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 didn't say that, it was, I didn't say it was perfect. You said that there was not another juggler that you thought of that had better decision-making in regards to no, picking the best no, path. No, no, no. I said he has an innate... He has an innate knowledge of where to be and when to be there i i think that every once in a while he's in the wrong place i don't think he's 100 percent there yet but i think he's there much more often than not and i think that what we saw this week are were, were four games in which he absolutely was that guy i'm not ready to say he's going to continue to be that guy because i think there were issues that we saw towards the end of last split but i i, I do think you know this is one of the benefits of playing with a guy like Froggen. This guy who's this long-term savvy veteran of the game who has all this knowledge from all these different metas. If if anyone is going to learn, like, hey, look, let's get some jug jungle mid synergy going. Let's let's figure out how to best put you around the map so that you can keep that going ahead. <laughs> this would this would be really good analysis if we if you aren't the one that told me the story about Froggen on whatever team it was and how he's a total nuts. <laughs> on so... elements, look, look. <laughs> I That's think... why it's so funny to me is you're like, yeah, Froggy is like this coach. He's going to help everyone out. And I'm just but, like, you've told me he's not. But see, this is the thing. I think he's become that guy. I, I don't think he was when Maybe. he was on Elements. I think when he was on Elements, he had been given that responsibility with an org that didn't really give him the infrastructure. Like we, we've seen, you know, how quickly that Elements team fell apart, right? And there's a reason that he's in North America in the first place. But I think he learned from that. I think we're seeing a very different kind of atmosphere than the one that he had on Elements. These Echo Fox guys seem to really like him. You go after the game, like they're excited to hang out with him. They, they all cheer together. This is a team that has fun, uh, especially when they win, but also just in general. Um, you know, this week, obviously, it's, it's uh, you know, an easy example because they got, they went 4-0. They went uh, they were the only team to go 4-0. They are currently the only team to not drop a map in the NALCS. Who would have predicted that? I, I, I can't imagine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but... time out, time out. It was against FlyQuest and Team Liquid. Let's 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 okay. Let's, let's pull pull Fly... back on the reins here. Let's let's Fly hold Quest on a second. Is was a top four team in North America last week. I split. think FlyQuest is garbage. I <laughs> I have my concerns about them as well, but I don't want to uh, eliminate the positives of Echo Fox no, 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 by no. saying that. I'm not trying to do that, but I'm also saying the level of competition that they went up against was not, the, it's not like they 2-0 TSM and Cloud9. This That's week, 
This week is the week that we go, okay, Echo Fox, are you contenders or pretenders? Because they could easily go 0-4 this week, and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, week one was an aberration, and Flag West well, well, is bad. We know how even weeks and odd weeks tend to go for Echo Fox if we Typically go back to last week. Typically, it's the even week, right? weeks they do well. It's the odd weeks they do poorly. So are we flipping the narrative on this now? It's the well, odd I weeks mean, technically, good. week one of summer is week 10 of LCS play because there were nine weeks in spring. Just saying. Flip could be real. Where do you think the line on this is, Walter? <sighs> I hate my co-host. <laughs> Uh, I, I have CLG at minus 175. Okay, I get this one. You were too low. I, I said CLG minus 250. It's CLG minus 270. Which I think is fair. That puts Echo Fox at plus 195. Which is interesting. I, I'd be more excited about that if I wasn't so excited about CLG. And we'll, we'll get to why uh, later on. Immortals versus FlyQuest... You said you think that this FlyQuest team is garbage. Do you want to ruminate on that a little so, bit more? So remember on Cloud9 when I was like, yo, you need to have playmakers? <laughs> you need to have consistent playmakers? There's not even one consistent playmaker on this team. It's like everything that happened in the early part of spring is now dissipated. And like they don't know how to work together as a team anymore. You have five guys that are not even top three talents at their position in North America. With the exception of maybe Wild Turtle. You could argue him in potentially. Um, it, it's they won with cheese. They won because they had their their shot calling god step up and make some big plays and or have TSM walk into Oriana ultimates time after time after time. Um, this team is bad. This team, if there is no cohesion, there is no synergy between them. That's their big thing. Is oh, we're the t we are the ultimate team fighting team. You're losing lane in a in a period where it's becoming very important that you have pushing lanes and that you have or you have lane dominant players that can make up for deficiencies and having a weaker laning matchup. And I don't think against anyone, these I don't think balls against any top laner would be considered a plus in laning against any top laner in the LCS, with the exception of maybe like Looper and Seraph. I think they're all even there. Look at the jungle. Moon had a great breakout split last split, but we've also seen him before and he wasn't very good previously when he was on energy. So now, again, it's the, we've had two variations of him is, you know, does he fall somewhere in the middle? Does he fall somewhere? You know, where does he actually fall now that we've seen two splits of him? High is high. He's never been the super lane dominant person. He's always been someone that's willing to give up farm in the lane so we can go out and roam, so we can go out and get warding, so we can do all those things. That's not really good when, you know, all these other mid laners are really, really good and you need to scale up on some of these, you know, some of these carries and that you need to buy your items. You can't really give up farm when you're playing Orianna and Syndra. You need to hit that two, three item spike. And then the bot lane, I'm really, I'm more willing to sort of give a pass to just because Wild Turtle and Lemonation have not played together in a very, very long time. They need to get used to each other. I actually think that could be a bright spot on this team. Um, but geez, why are you playing Jin? It's a great question. Good lord, why are you playing Jin? Turtle, Turtle was like, Turtle was okay at Jin. He was a pretty good Jin player, but still, like, why? Why, when it's lane pushing, do you want to play Jin? Especially when you aren't giving your solo laners much damage in your compositions, yeah. especially in the early game. 
I, I thought it was weird. I, I thought their drafts were not quite right. And I, I think you nailed it on the head when you said that Synergy is not taking this team any further right now. I, I think that it gets you to a, a certain point, but now, you know, we need High to be this playmaker. That's the guy they've constantly relied on. You talk about laning deficiency, negative uh, 19.3 CS differential at 10 minutes right now. Uh, that's not obviously a large sample size, so I don't want to overreact, but it is twice as bad as the next worst non-team liquid mid laner. To be fair to High, he was playing against the like single best laning mid laner in the world outside of Baker in Froggen. Sure, so, and he also he played a he had a Cassidy game, and Cassidy rarely has you yeah. know he has a hard time at landing phase. Like yeah. there are a lot of factors to that. Yes, but then why are you good. putting High in that spot? Yeah. Like that's that's the question yeah. here. Because if you know that High is going to be your main carry and he's the shot caller and everything runs through him, why are you putting him in that position? If it's either he's somebody that is deficient in the ways that you want him to be, so you feel like you have to put him in those situations, or you've forced him into the spot because you think it's the right way to play and then you're not adjusting when the evidence is telling you that's not the case i i know i have beaten this horse into the ground but this is a team that would not have been a semi-finals team if it wasn't for one of the silliest engages i have ever seen in a playoff series and i think right now we're seeing a team that you know is that team that we were afraid they were going to be that they're the team that started out great because the synergy was there and now that other teams have caught up is really falling off hard and has just been on this descent ever since and i'm waiting to see how they're going to turn it around i want to see what their plan is because i i think it's so it's going so to be fascinating Chase, to see how wild turtle tries to be that guy i have been to the future Oh, I've actually I can't I was in the future earlier today. I was watching all these things. That's why I know which lines we want to pick or not. Um, but I keep some of those to myself because, of course, you know, if I biff in this scenario, I, I want to be the one that has all the money. Uh, but that being said, uh, FlyQuest will not figure it out. Not with these five players. I think two of these players will probably deserve to be on a roster at the end of the split. Maybe three. Um, but I think they need to change the very top of the map and the very, very bottom of the map if they actually want to be contenders of any sort. Or maybe High's legendary shot calling prowess comes back and they make a crazy run in the in the gauntlet and they make it to Worlds and I have to hear about High's amazing shot calling prowess in another world championship. Hmm. I have FlyQuest at minus 125. Okay, uh, I get this one because you made FlyQuest a favorite, which automatically eliminates you from this. I said uh, Immortals minus 130 because I thought, you know, that this was going to be very close because usually the casinos don't like Immortals and they do like FlyQuest. The actual line is Immortals minus 238. That's FlyQuest at plus 175. That is a lot higher than I expected. That it seems like a very strong reaction to what we saw last week. What is and I'm, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but I am saying if we're looking for value, it wasn't that long ago that Immortals was a team that was very up and down and struggling to find consistency. And FlyQuest was a team that did very well against those kind of teams, that, that really understood how to exploit those kind of inconsistencies. So I'm not saying I, I want to take FlyQuest here, but I am saying at plus 175, it's... Enough that I feel like we'll have to come back to it later on. Um, um, 
Let, let's let's no. preview this next one. Envious versus Team Liquid. We're not talking about Team Liquid. Envious minus 135. Uh, okay, you get this one. Hey! I, I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I had Team Liquid minus 150. I thought that they were going to still be harsh on Envious because they usually are. Uh, it's Envious minus 208. That's Damn Team it. Liquid at plus 155. Damn it. Yeah. I wanted better odds than that. Right? Come on, Unicorn. You, you've, you've you know, been very, very nice to the team that I will not mention for a very long time, and now is the moment you're going to hop off the train? Come on. At least let me make some more money first. Yeah. And it's one of those Whoa. things where, like, Envious minus one and a half at, at plus 150 doesn't seem out of play. But do you want to bet on Envious winning a series clean, which I don't remember if they've ever done uh, with this version of the roster? Yeah, I, I, I think that's I that's think something not that would be a, a concern, I think it's safe to say. Let's uh let's keep going. Echo Fox versus Cloud9. We've talked about both these teams. What's the matchup you're gonna be watching most closely? Bot lane, I think. I think I think Echo Fox needs Keith not to be Keith. I think they need Keith to be Random LCS player Y, who is the ninth best AD carry in North America. In actually in North America. Whereas Keith is like, we don't even know if he's a top 16 AD carry in North America because there's a Challenger series and there's also like random like Serpentis leagues and all these random like collegiate teams. Like Prototype Black is a better AD carry than Keith. So we just need Keith to be the ninth best AD carry in North America. And I think Echo Fox uh, can do well. That being said, I don't think they're good enough to knock off Cloud9. Yeah. Like I said, Echo Fox could easily go 0-4 this week, and next week we're talking about them as our down of the week, so... Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I want to believe in Echo Fox. It's a more fun story. Um, I trust Cloud9 to bounce back. Yes. We have. I, I cannot remember the last time we saw two bad Cloud9 weeks back-to-back. It, if uh, ever. It, it, it was it was probably when it was like Medios and Jensen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have to go back to that team like that spring season scraped five? into the gauntlet by getting sixth. And, yeah, summer and season five, yeah. Yeah, that I that's the last time that we saw that. I don't expect that team. I I think this is a better team than that squad was. Where do you have the line, Walter? Oh, uh, I have Cloud Nine at minus two hundred. Okay, I get this one. I said Cloud Nine minus three twenty. It's Cloud Nine minus two ninety four. That puts Echo Fox at plus 210. And I know I just made this point about, like, what are the odds that Cloud9 falters a second week in a uh, row? Oh, no. What's Cloud9 2 Uh Cloud9 2 um, Well, uh, while I'm looking for that, I, I should point out that, you know, I, I think Impact is going to make a massive, shall Im we say, Impact. Impact is not listed summer. as a starter in either game this week. Right. Yeah, it's almost like LOE Esports never updates their rosters until, like, the last second. I'm just he's, saying. Everything we've heard from Cloud9 says he's going to be back. Plus 115 for the minus one and a half. Mm, that's not worth it. Yeah, that's not valuable. That's not worth it. Because the Cadian could have one pop off a Cadian game, and Froggen could play LeBlanc hmm. and just they two-man roll this team. Or Nivea, or any of the other things that he has in his in his arsenal. Guy, yeah, I, don't... I mean, yeah, sure. I don't trust the 2-0. Um, Dignitas versus uh, Liquid. Uh, real quick, Dignitas thoughts. 
how excited are you on a, on a scale of 1 to 10 for this team? Because I feel like, you know, in, in the hype surrounding CLG doing quite well, Echo Fox pulling off this 2-0, and, and Immortals, you know, the CLG teal, if you will, that is now being put forth on Reddit, which I, I am not sure if Immortals are as happy about that as, as maybe the fans are. It's certainly getting uh, great publicity now. Um, We'll see how much they want to stick to that idea identity in the long run. But, you know, Dignitas also went 2-0 last week. Dignitas also had some strong performances, uh, especially with Someday. So what are you hoping to see from them? What, why, why are, even more simply, why is this team not getting the same amount of love uh, that maybe some of the other teams that surprised us this week are? Uh, because they made the playoffs last split. It's not all that surprising. Their their competition wasn't that great. They beat FlyQuest and Envious. Um, yeah, Fly, like everyone's like, oh yeah, FlyQuest. Like, again, I don't think they're very good. And Envious was the 10th place team last split, and they lost a game to Envious. I think they're just kind of, they're sitting there in the middle of the pack, and they haven't done anything to really, uh, you know, to break free from that. It's not like CLG, we're like, yeah, we went out and got Dardock, and now we're the second best early game team in the LCS because we just added Dardock. It's not like Xmithy where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Pole Belter played really poorly, and we got rid of Dardock, and Xmithy played really poorly, and now that Xmithy and Pole Belter are back together, they're playing really well. They know each other's tendencies, nothing like that. Like, these are the, these are the Dark Horse guys. These are the legitimate Dark Horse guys where we're not going to talk about them a lot where they are going to be overshadowed by CLG and by Immortals. If you were to say the four teams that went that went 2-0, not 4-0, because Echo Fox is not going to go 4-0, you know, if you ask me which of those four teams is more likely to continue their undefeated set run, I would put it in this order. I'd say CLG, Immortals, Dignitas, and then Echo Fox. Without even thinking about what the matchups are, without even knowing what the matchups are, that's why I'd say. I'd say CLG is more likely to go 2-0 this week than Immortals, who are more likely than Dignitas, who are more likely than Echo Fox. And that's fine. I think that works for Dignitas. I think they're okay kind of sitting here, trusting the process, continuing to build these players, continuing to evaluate them. And then we saw it last split. At the beginning of the split, they were awful. They were tied for like ninth at one point, and then they made this run at the end of the season. I think that's what they're okay with. They're okay biding their time, and they know that the appropriate time to, to snap the trap is when they get into the playoffs. That's when you really need to make your run. So... I'm, I'm super excited for the team because I love the players on this team. I'm an unabashed Keith and Lod fanboy. I, I literally will just admit that. I love watching those two guys play, and I want to see them be successful, even though Lod was one of the players that kicked Cognitive out of the Challenger Series back in, 2000, uh, back in 2013. No, I'm not bitter about that, Lod. I swear I'm not. <laughs> um, so personally, I'm, I'm like an eight and a half for this team. I just think yeah. that we won't talk about them a lot because there are other storylines that are more interesting. And I think Dignitas is okay with that. I mean, and, and that's one of those things where, you know, should they be, you know, considered less interesting than some of these other storylines? I'm not sure. I, I think that Chaser's development has been quite fun to see. I thought he played quite well this week, um, just in terms of, of getting, you know, the, the bottom half of the map going. I, I thought he, you know, someday looked awesome, as we kind of expect him to do. Um, but it's clear that this team has now realized, like, you cannot single-handedly win a series just with someday. You need to f put resources on the other end as well. And, and now they have done that, and that's great to see. Um, overall, I, I guess my, you know, I, I would love to see them start getting more attention, uh, and that's going to have to come from beating one of those great teams that you mentioned. 
I'm not sure it's going to happen against TSM just because TSM is, you know, needs that bounce back week. And I don't remember TSM ever having two bad weeks in LCS play back to back. It's not something I think that Reggie tolerates. So I, I, I think it'll be hard, but beating Liquid is something that they should be able to do quite handily. And if we're, if they're three and one or four and two by the time, uh, you know, we're looking at them, you know, still solidly above average when the Rift uh, Rivals event starts. They're going to be in a good spot. Uh, they're going to be in the running uh, and, and in a position where they can make a run that surprises some people. Um, but they got to win this series. Uh, where do you think the line is for this series? Uh, I have Dignitas at minus 185. Okay, I get this one. So you're going to have to win the next two if you don't want to secede the week over to me. I, I said Dignitas minus 250. It's Dignitas minus 333. The casinos are done. Unicorn is done with Team Liquid. They're out. They're, they're, they're ready to write Listen, this team Unicorn, off. Listen, Unicorn, I am too, but let me make some money first. <laughs> That's all no. I'm asking for. No. Be a week late to the party, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> oh, man, it's well, it's great. What's, I, what's the underdog line? Uh, the underdog line. Team Liquid plus 235. Yeah, no thank you. For the, for the Golden Glue revitalized, revitalized run when... I, I'm sure, by the way, uh, the, the underrated part that we didn't even mention at the top of the pod was how much of a confidence hit it has to be for Golden Glue that he keeps getting subbed out when the team has clearly no faith in him. And, oh, by the way, we just so happen to have this guy, Matt, who's incredibly emotional. Who, um... I said I'm not doing this. Okay, you're right, you're know. right. I'm I sorry. I don't want to hear I... it. They're... I dropped so many F-bombs about Steve I, I said, I'm I, done, dude. I, I, it's it's going to take me 10 minutes to edit. What's amazing is that, like, I, I just, I keep coming up with more things that I forgot to mention then. Like, there's just, on so many levels. Let's move on. CLG TSM. The storied rivalry. A classico. The, yeah, not, a real yeah. El Clasico. Not, not quite El Clasico. It needs a name for it. We need to come up with one. Uh... Listeners, come up in the comment section. Border Tell us what Wars? we should call it. Since Hotshot is Canadian and Reggie's from California, Border Wars. Border Wars. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean kinda, it's uh, that's kind of bad. I don't like that. Yeah, one. we need we need something. Um, we, we need a better one. I'm trusting you, YouTube commenters. We'll look through and we'll give you a shout out for whoever picks the best one, if you want to reach us on on there or through Twitter. Uh, but great storied rivalry. I I think that CLG is looking the best that they have since they won. Worlds, uh, or not one world since they won uh, the North American split and got second in MSI. Uh, do we expect that to last here? Are we ready to say that CLG is a team to be, uh, to really take, uh, you know, in that top tier? Or, or are you wanting to buy a little bit more time? I, I think that they have made the case that they deserve to be in the top three. And I think that also has to do because TSM and Cloud9 kind of tripped up. Um, on their shoelaces. That being said, we know Dardot can have games where he doesn't play well. And CLG really relied on Dardot playing very well in week one and really propping up this early game and being that bridge from the you know from the early game into the alright, now let's team fight. Now let's do this. We saw Darshan play very, very well on tanks. Um, we haven't seen them try to do anything crazy with Darshan going more damage oriented. We did get a, you know, when the going gets tough, who he, go, who he 
goes to the Aurelian soul pick and teams still give it to him and we're supposed to act shocked when he's good at it. It's like, oh my god, he knows how to play Aurelian soul. I think, who was it? I want to say, it was, it was one of the NA casters brought up like, oh, why don't more players play Aurelian soul? It's like, it's going back in time to when Insect was the only person playing Lee Sin or Diamond Prox. Like, people didn't play it because it took so much practice time to stay exponentially good at it. It's a type of champion where if you don't practice it consistently, your skill rate decays much, much quicker than an Orianna, than a Syndra, than something that's much more linear because it's such a unique and different sort of play pattern. So I, I'm just... I'm just amused when people are like oh my god who he got to play aurelian soul and he was amazing at it like yeah no way he's a I good know. aurelian soul player that's like when people are always like oh frog and signature anivia oh look at how good he is he knows how to tp as an egg like yeah the dude's been playing it since season one no way he's good at it so i mean it's just so much better for me as a tsm fan when clg is good because the rivalry is better like, I've joked and I've said, oh, yeah, Cloud9 TSM rivalry is, is, you know, more storied, more heralded because both teams have been better teams for long. But there was that time when CLG was good and Cloud9 was bad, and we got back to this TSM versus CLG rivalry. This is the first rivalry of League of Legends. This is this is more so. You brought up in your article El Clasico between Peke and, so, and Ocelot. This rivalry happened before that. Reginald made TSM because he had verbal disagreements with Hotshot when he was on CLG at Chicks Dig Elo and that entire cacophony of stuff in 2010. He went out, he made his own brand, he named it after himself. Like, this is the quintessential rivalry in, yeah. East, in, in, in League of Legends esports. Quintessential. I place it above the Telecom Wars because it existed first in League of Legends. Telecom Wars has the carryover from Brood War and from StarCraft. I'll give it that. It has its prestige. But in League of Legends, this is the this is the rivalry that defines League of Legends. And when both teams are good, it makes it that much better. And I just can't wait to watch. I think that this is going to be kind of telling for how the first half is going to go for both teams. But I would not be surprised if either of the if these two are the two teams that are facing off against each other in the semifinals or in the finals in Boston. I mean, this could be a final series. I mean, this is this is what if if you're looking at the you know the LCS script, right? If you're the script, it's the screenwriter here. What you want to see is this CLG team make that one switch and and really just be revitalized and have this new energy to them. And TSM stands as the evil empire who's always there. And now CLG, our our young heroes, can storm through and and really you know seize the day. I, and yes, I, you are the evil empire. You're, you're the New England Patriots of League of Legends. Just embrace it as it is, man. But I... Haters gonna hate. Yeah, I, absolutely. Haters are gonna hate. I'm Call me a hater. I can live with that just fine. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where I'm excited to see how these two teams match head-to-head -head because I think that Dardoch is a guy that has this great early game potential but often comes at a cost of inconsistency on his end. Uh, I think that the rest of the team does a very good job of covering for him against you know, the teams that they played last week, but TSM is a team that can penalize things to a different level. Um, Doublelift is a guy that, you know, I love seeing Aphromoo roam so much and be that playmaker. Doublelift should do a pretty good job of keeping them in lane.
you know, he's, he's, he's too good to be kind of bullied out in that way. So let's, uh, let's get to the line here, man. What do you think this ends up? Uh, I have TSM minus 150. Uh, and with that, I win the week because neither one of us are getting a point. Because the line is... CL- I had TSM minus 250. The line is CLG minus 118, TSM at minus 111. So our first smart money bet of the night is TSM minus 111 against CLG. And that's incredible. I... I... I, I mean, unicorn. Am I being punked? Unicorn. Guys, friends. Ashton? <laughs> Ashton? Are you back there? Uh, oh, no, nah, it's just Nick. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Nick tried to, you know, got into the unicorn system. But, like, I I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I look at this team and I'm just, um, I, I, I'm not sure how in the world we're at this point where it's like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean... We did absolutely dump this, you know, we you know, we, we have this team that won the North American Championship in the spring, uh, and they lost a whole one series against a team that might be good. But yeah, sure, let's dump them as as underdogs so against here, CLG. Here's why. Here's why. This is the casino being smart. Uh two thirds of the bets are going on CLG. That's why they're the underdogs. They knew everybody. Or that's why they're the favorites. They knew everyone was gonna want to gamble on CLG. I mean, I, I guess I got you. I got you, unicorn. I know what you're doing here. Um, this is to make up for for completely cutting the legs out from underneath the team whose name I shall not say because their owner is a is a nonce, and not letting me make money against them. So I appreciate it, unicorn. I I get it. I get it. This is the this is the handshake agreement. Now go make money, Walter. I got it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know what? We'll we'll take that. Uh, last line, real quick: Phoenix One versus FlyQuest. Um, two teams that want to bounce back. I, I think it's it's pretty clear that we have more faith in in one of these teams than the other. What do you want to see? Sixty seconds for a Phoenix One bounce back. Uh, I just need to see a Nori. Like, actually play two games without looking like a Diamond 1 player for half of it? I just, I don't know. I don't know what I want to see from Phoenix 1, in all honesty. I want to see a jungler who actually cares about playing League of Legends and doesn't look like his head is stuck up his own butt. Like, you're not the best jungler in North America. Let's start acting like it. Let's actually start playing League of Legends the way it's supposed to be. Let's, I don't know, let's be professional. I, I, I'm, I'm like off the Inori train. I just, mm-hmm. I'm off of it. And they have Meteos as their backup jungler. He doesn't want to play professionally. So, like, let me see Mike Young. Let's see how this guy plays. I don't know. I'm, I'm done with the junglers on Phoenix 1. I'm just done. I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of them, like, I'm sick of seeing Arrow constantly out of position, but not because he's out of position, but because the rest of his team abandons him. I'm really sick of seeing that. Like, he's your hard carry. Zig, just stay in front of him. I get it. If the call is to run away, I get it. But you should be the last person running away, not your AD carry, so he can get hooked by Thresh or he can get slowed by a Glitter Lance or X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Like, you're the tank. That's your and the support's job is to protect your carries. And uh, 
You're not doing a very good job of it. So. Yeah, well, Zig found a way to, to get quite a few deaths on his own, so I guess we'll see how that goes. I also think, for the record, um, Shady is not showing me why he was the sport they, they ended up sticking with. That is a concern to me. I, I think it's safe to call that concerning, especially his laning positioning errors that Arrow tried to make up for and did okay, but it's not the dominant lane that they were when Arrow was at his best and, and was the NA MVP. Um, certainly a uh, far cry from that last week. This will be a, a bounce back week for him if they can take a win here. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Uh, Phoenix won at minus 150. Throw it away. Okay. I, uh, I actually get this one here as well. I said Phoenix won minus 165. It's Phoenix won minus 192. So I win the week 6-3. to three. I, Wait, what's the uh, FlyQuest odds? Oh, FlyQuest odds? Uh, FlyQuest odds are plus 145. Yeah, okay. so I'm, uh, I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling good about our, our best bets in general. Last week, we went 3-1 and one in North America. We had Envious at, at plus 1.5 uh, uh, against Dignitas and Phoenix 1, both of which obviously came through. We had Echovox plus 220 over Team Liquid. Easy spread of our lives. Uh, Phoenix 1, minus 1.5 even over Immortals. Ha. Ha 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 ha! Let's just not talk about that one. Uh, where? What do we like here, Walter? Obviously, we have TSM minus one eleven over CLG. We need two more. I like I like three map. I mean, what are the odds for three maps for Phoenix One versus Cloud Nine and Immortals versus Envious? For Phoenix One versus Cloud Nine, um, the odds for the three maps comes to. And I swear I'm not stalling for time. I just have so many things I want to tell you about life, the stalling universe. Stalling for time, stalling for time. Stalling yeah, for yeah time. look, it's um, it's one of those things where getting to the uh, the bet takes a little bit. Uh, for two and a half maps uh, in Immortals and Envious, it's plus 110. And for uh, two and a half maps, uh, again, Phoenix 1 Cloud 9 is plus 105. I think those are pretty safe bets. I I like it more for Immortals and Envious than I do. Um, okay. Uh, the other one, just because I, I think that they're uh, always uh, Envious seems to keep it close. Um, they're just they do a really good job of at least keeping one map from just about anybody. Okay. Um, and I and I, I think that that's something they're going to be able to continue to do. Um, we need one more. I mean, we could do the plus 105 if you really like. I I kind of like the idea of TSM getting the 2-0 over, over Dignitas. It I feels like... I think that is so risky. Okay. Because you can have a Keen pop-off game, you could have a Lod pop-off game, and you can have a Someday pop-off game. You have all three of those things happen. Do... I, I mean, do, do we like Echo Fox plus 210 over Cloud9 as a long shot? Like, Cadian could bully contracts. And then that would mean that you know Jensen Froggen should be able to neutralize some of that advantage, like at plus two ten. That's solid Keith value. Keith versus Sneaky. I yeah yeah. I mean they're underdogs for a reason. I mean listen, we're up a bunch of money. Screw it. Let's yeah. let let's let's go for the long shot. Let's go for Echo Fox over over Cloud. I just think plus two ten is value there. Echo Fox looks really good right now, especially that that jungle advantage. I think. And, and I'm just gonna say when they get absolutely just obliterated by CLG. 
we're both gonna go into that game against Cloud9 and go, why did we say this? Why did we yeah, this game? Yeah, no, this, it, this could go wrong. I could go very wrong very quickly. But you know what? Uh, I want to believe, uh, and hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed this episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun recording it, obviously. We love doing these Guest Lines episodes. We do it all every week, uh, Wednesday for Europe. Thursday for North America, so you should hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, whatever audio surgeon, you know, system you use. Um, I use Overcast for, you know, people who want to get a shout out on their mobile devices. Um, and of course, um, you can find us on YouTube as well if you like the video side of things. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Richard King. I love talking to you guys. If you have anything you want to say about anything I said on the podcast today, uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? I'm just going to unveil my new banner picture just for everyone to see at home. It is the last three teams in the standings currently as of week one. Cloud9 at 0-2, FlyQuest at 0-2, and the team that shall not be named at 0-2 as well. So unveiled live on the Rough Dress podcast, uh, my new cover photo image for Twitter. I think it's amazing. I'm so happy. You you guys can find that picture at Sadie's underscore LOL. Oh, man, I love it. The trash talk is real and absolutely deserved. Uh, we will be back next week with our thoughts on what should be a very interesting week too. I think there are a lot of teams that could separate themselves from the pack, a lot of teams uh, you know, who could do it in a positive way and a lot of teams that could really hurt themselves and, and dig a hole here. So I'm excited to watch these games and until then, goodbye internet. You can follow the Rough Dress Podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com backslash Rough Drafts Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Drafts Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at Patreon.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod. And by viewers like you. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.